This episode of Superman of the Bronze Age is sponsored by InStock Trades. A mainstay of the collected edition market, InStock Trades has over 13,000 individual trade paperback, graphic novel, and hardcover titles in stock and ready to ship, all at great discounted prices. Most orders ship within 48 hours, and orders over $50 ship for free. You can find them on the web at www.instocktrades.com. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton. Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over the Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman. This is Superman Superman in the the Bronze Age. Age. Everybody and welcome to episode 116 of Superman in the Bronze Age. I am your host Charlie Neymar for well not the final t- well actually the final time we are taking a look at a Superman comic from the Bronze Age. And joining me for this one last time is my friend well you may know him from the internet's. <laughs> as uh, he he also says take the dare. It's Day J David Weeder. Yes, I said take the dare. <laughs> You know you're known for that now. I didn't know that. <laughs> most I don't. People, uh, most people will say, uh, you know, I can. Can I call you Dave? Yeah, yeah. There's that. <laughs> Take the dare. Take the dare. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite part. Anyway, not not really. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's not really much more preamble. We're just continuing this. You don't. You guys can't tell this, but this is the same recording as what, when we recorded last episode. Wait, what? I've Shh. slept for a week since... Oh, I'm sorry. They're, they're supposed to think it's different. Well, that ruins the magic of audio. <laughs> oh, well, crap. Well, we'll just let it go then. Yes. Uh, but we will be right back after a couple promos with part two of Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. dawn of an age. The founding of a family. You know we haven't done enough research into the effects of cosmic rays. We've got to take that chance. Conditions are right tonight. Let's go. They're penetrating the ship. Our shielding isn't strong enough. I feel like I'm burning up. Too heavy. Can't move. Too heavy. We're all alive. I feel so strange. You're fading away. I can't see you at all anymore. Look what's happened to you. You are 
danger. Oh, Reed, not you too. What happened to me? To all of us? I can fly. We gotta use that power to help mankind, right? And so was born the Fantastic Four. Or soon the Mole Man will have the entire world in his power. I am the mightiest living mortal on Earth. And now, mankind shall feel that might. The Fantastic Four. Little do they dream they're but palms in the hands of Dr. Doom. The Human Torch will be the Puppet Master's next victim. You athletes can't change the way I can. That means I'm the most powerful person on Earth. I've been expecting you, for I am the thinker. I vow never to return, my lord, until the Fantastic Four are no more, and the planet Earth is no more. You're in the presence of the awesome Ralatons. King of Kings, Master of Men, and Lord of the Seven Sons. Fool, you're just a muscular freak. Blind or Hulk. Stop! You must not enter the castle of Diablo. My journey has ended. This planet shall sustain him till it has been drained of all elemental life. So speak, Galactus. Flame on! It's clobbering time! The Fantastic Four from the very beginning. Witness the origins of a legend. The Fantasticast. ffcast.libsyn.com Calabac, Tassad, it is I, Darkseid. I command you to listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the Super Friends so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman. Judy Man and Our Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's who? Ultra Boy and Booster Gold. Lightning Lass and Hippolyta. Phantom Stranger, Dedrick and Arisia and Woozy Winks. Hey, hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC. Who's who? Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water podcast. We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. Alright, and we're back. And The final issue to cover on the show is Action Comics number 583, which had a cover date of September 1986. An on-sale date of June 26th, 1986, and a cover price of 75 cents. The title of this is Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. We're just going to call it Part 2. Written by Alan Moore, penciled by Kurt Swan, inked by Kurt Schaffenberger, uh, lettered by Todd Klein, colored by Gene D'Angelo, and edited by Julie Schwartz. So the art team's the same as the... uh, You covered that, the... Superman The Lost Years? Isn't that what it was? Yes. Yes. There were the in-between years? No, Lost Years. Superman The Secret Years. years. Secret Years, that's right. And the in-between years is when it was a backup feature. Yes. Gotcha. Anyway, picking up where Superman 423 left off, Lois and Tim refresh their coffees when Lois's husband Jordan comes in. He's not a fan of the Man of Steel, stating that ordinary working slobs are the real heroes, and he wasn't anything special. As he gets his coffee and goes to check on their son, Jonathan, Lois resumes her account of Superman's final battle by relating how she and the others watched as Superman melted the, key, the golden key with his heat vision. 
They knew they all knew something was coming, but they just didn't know what. Not long after, Lexiac's ship lands, and he and Kryptonite Man are surprised to be joined by Lightning Lord, Cosmic King, and Saturn Queen of the Legion of Supervillains. Now, I want to pause a moment to ask Dave, because he's resident, closest thing we have to a Legion expert. Dave, are they the only three members of the Legion of Supervillains, or were there more? No, there were more, but they are here to, because they represent the first three Legionnaires. So they're like the founding ones? Yeah. Okay, I've, I figured, but I've, I don't. I'm try, I was trying to remember if I've ever seen any other stories with more than them as the Legion of Supervillains. But okay, okay. Back to the story. It is then their turn to be surprised when they see that Lec- Brainiac is in control of Luther's body now. But they reveal that they have come on this particular day because, according to legend, it was during these days that Superman met his greatest foe in battle and was no more. Since he was the one who shrunk Kandor, Brainiac assumes that he is Superman's greatest foe, but doesn't see a reason to allow the Legion to participate in his victory until they point out that the legend also states that all of Earth's champions flocked to help him. So Lexiac erects... Corrects? I hate it when he corrects. So Lexiac erects a giant force bubble over the area, stretching more than two miles across, which basically encompasses the entire fortress and the bad guys. And while Superman and Crypto spent most of the time attacking from a distance, the one time they actually tried a frontal assault, they were driven back by Kryptonite Man, who is now powerful enough that he doesn't need to actually be touching them to uh, fight them off. By evening, friends such as Captain Marvel, Superwoman, Vartox, Wonder Woman, Batman, and Robin have arrived and tried to bust through the force field, but to no avail. By the time night fell, it was as if a standoff had been declared and the fighting temporarily stopped until the next morning. It was during this lull that Superman visited Perry in his quarters for some conversation. After apologizing for he and Alice having to be cooped up in the fortress, Superman started talking about how he's scared that he's going to die and leave so many things left unsettled. For example, Lois and Lana. He felt that he had messed up both their lives because they wasted their love on him while he could give them the love that they deserved in return. While he's feeling like a coward, we then turn our attention to another part of the fortress where Jimmy and Lana bump into each other, mostly in the dark, and not in the fun way. Jimmy has found the sample of the elastic lead serum that Superman had kept in his trophy room annex, while Lana found where Superman had collected some of the radioactive lake water that she and Lois had bathed in once long ago during the Silver Age that gave them superpowers. So while Jimmy prepped their souvenir costumes, Lana got in the pool, and as her power started kicking in, her superhearing kicked in just in time to hear Superman tell Perry about how much he loved Lana back when he was in Smallville during his Superboy days. But now Lois is the only woman for him. But he can't tell Lois that without hurting Lana, and he'd never hurt Lana. You know, like he did back in Superman 332, 333, and 334, <laughs> going on and on about how much he loved Lois and explaining why things would never work out between him and Lana. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, since now he'd never hurt Lana, he's just been keeping the secret in his heart and will take it with him to the grave. And as Lana and Jimmy finish putting on their costumes, Lana's fired up, telling Jimmy that they may be second stringers, but they'll show them that nobody loved him better. Nobody. Outside, they attacked the villains, with Lana knocking Kryptonite Man around while Jimmy worked on the force field generator. When she came up to Lexiac, 
Lex was able to break through Brainiac's programming enough to beg her to kill him, which she did with a chop to the neck. As she took off, Saturn Queen read her mind to find out about the pool. So Cosmic King turned the radioactive traces in her body into normal body salts, which caused her to fall to the ground, where Lightning Lord fried her, killing her. Jimmy, having completed his part of the mission, went after the Legion, but was fatally wounded by Brainiac, who was still able to manipulate Luther's body for the time being. But at that point, the villains noticed that the force field was still up, keeping the other heroes outside, which... The heroes had now featured Hawkman, Martian Manhunter, and Green Arrow, replacing Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, Superwoman, and Vartox. Only Batman and Robin stuck around to try to help out. Apparently, they're the only ones that cared. Just kidding. Believing it was destiny that he was, that was keeping the force field up, Brainiac began the final assault with a nuclear blast to the fortress. This didn't destroy the fortress, but did open up a large hole in one of the walls and caused major damage inside. Kryptonite Man entered through the hole threatening to kill the Man of Steel, but was instead met by Crypto. And through the pain of the radiation, the Dog of Steel managed to basically rip the Kryptonite Man's throat out, killing him. But unfortunately, this left him too weak to get away, and with a death howl, Crypto also died. Now for those keeping track, that left Perry and Alice, who were safe in Alice's room, reconciling and making up for love lost time, take that as you will, and Superman and Lois, who were flying through the fortress as they met up with the Legion of Supervillains. Well, at least the three that we've seen. Lightning Lord made the mistake of revealing Lana's fate, which really ticked off Superman and caused him to lash out with his heat vision. When one of the blasts actually burns Lightning Lord's arm, the trio decide that since Superman's defeat was assured, there's no point in sticking around, so they head back to their time bubble and back to the 30th century. Outside, Superman and Lois confronted Brainiac, but rigor mortis was now setting in on Luther's body, and it collapsed. Although Brainiac was able to detach from Luther's head and crawl towards Superman, without a body, Brainiac went offline before he got very far. But this still left a lot of questions, such as why the force field was still up, and why all of Superman's enemies would attack at once, and why the Legion gave him the statue. After all, the 30th century seems convinced that this was the end of Superman. He gave the statue to Lois while he took some time to ponder, and after several minutes, he figured it out. Out of all of Superman's villains, one was still missing. So he called out to Mr. Mixias Pitalik. Mixias Pitalik appeared in a cloud of purple smoke, floating in a sitting position, but he didn't look like the funny little imp anymore. When Superman asked why Mr. Mixias Pitalik was doing all of this, he explained that he's immortal, which left him with a lot of time to fill. He spent the first 2,000 years of his life doing absolutely nothing. After that, he spent 2,000 years being saintly and doing only good deeds. The next 2,000 years were spent being mischievous. And now, after 2,000 years, he's bored and decided to spend the next 2,000 years being evil, starting with the death of Superman. And maybe after that, he'll spend 2,000 years feeling guilty about it. Then he revealed his true form, which... Looks like a pointy-headed creature of darkness surrounded by crackling energy. In a bit of mental sparring, he told Superman that there was no point in fighting, especially with the knowledge that the entire 30th century knew that this was his time to fall. But the mention of the 30th century made Lois look at the statue again, and she pointed out to Superman what it was holding. Finally, Superman knew what needed to be done. Grabbing Lois, they flew off to the Phantom Zone room, followed closely by Ms. Pitalik. 
Mixie told Superman that it was time to die, and Superman could not agree more as he pointed the Phantom Zone projector at the magical monstrosity. With only one way to save himself, Mixias Pitalik sh- shouted, Kill Tipsy's him! But Superman pressed the black button on the projector at the exact same time. And with a terrible scream, Mixie was ripped apart, torn between dimensions. And while it meant that the nightmare was over, it also meant that Superman had one more thing to do. See, he knowingly and intentionally killed Mixias Pitalik. And long ago, he had sworn an oath to quit as Superman and give up his powers if he ever killed anyone. And in silence, Superman walked down the hall to the gold kryptonite vault, opened it, and after looking back to give Lois a smile, he entered the room and shut the door. Lois never saw Superman again. With Mixie defeated, the force field vanished, and the other heroes were able to enter, surveying all of the death and destruction as if, as Batman stated, walking amongst the fragments of a legend. By the time Superwoman and Captain Marvel were able to rip the vault door open, it was empty. They discovered a hidden passageway leading out of the fortress, so it was concluded that he left the fortress to freeze to death in the Arctic wastes. His body was never found. Concluding the interview, Tim asks Lois if she thinks there's any truth to the rumors that Superman may still be alive somewhere. But as far as she's concerned, Superman died in the Arctic. With that, Jordan brings baby Jonathan out to see his mommy, and Tim heads back to Metropolis. After Jordan sits Jonathan down next to the coal bin at the fireplace and allows Jonathan to play with a chunk, he and Lois talk about his day and how much he enjoys living a normal life, other than the diapers, of course. And as Jonathan drops a diamond into the coal bin and grabs another chunk, Lois and Jordan head to the bedroom. Lois has pizza planned for dinner and possibly going to bed with a bottle of wine, maybe living happily ever after. When she asks if that sounds good to Jordan... He just winks and asks, what do you think? Let's start off by looking at the cover. This is a very sad, melancholy cover, but it also is fitting for the final story for Superman. Yes. Unlike the Superman cover, this one doesn't give away anything that happens inside. No, Uh, because the Daily Planet globe is still intact. Yep, and even has a little trademark at the end of it. I was going to note that I'm glad you mentioned it. (laughs) Which is pretty cool. Uh, but it does, I mean, look, he, they got a whole city behind it. That's kind of cool. Uh, but we've got all these people standing there on the Daily Planet to say bye and say goodbye, Superman, we'll miss you. Apparently including Hitler. Right next to the to the to the Flash's right shoulder. Ah, uh, yes, Hitler. <laughs> that, yeah. Oh, I don't know who that is. Maybe Morgan is. I don't know. Oh, that would but, be, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so we've got Batman and Robin and Hawkman and Green Arrow. Uh, now, it looks like there's supposed to be Martian Manhunter between Green Arrow and Captain Marvel, but is colored to look like Luther. I'm thinking that's Marshall, Martian Manhunter. Yeah, I think it was penciled to be Martian Manhunter, and then the colorist messed that up. Yeah, they didn't fix it on the on the uh, in the trade or on the uh, digital version, by the way. Well, that's nice. In of fact, you. all they did was make it look... Uh, was make it look a little prettier but it's still the purple and green so that's weird uh but there's cosmic boy lightning lad wonder woman and uh saturn girl flash and green lantern uh perry white lois lane lana lang and jimmy captain Marvel. It, yeah captain Marvel. i'm sorry uh looks like in the front is julie schwartz mm-hmm. i'm guessing that's Jeanette Kahn, kurt swan and i'm guessing behind kurt is murphy anderson was it Anderson, or would it be Schaffenberger himself? 
Well, that could have been Scheffenberger. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm only guessing it's uh, Anderson because it's a Swanderson cover. Ah, good point. And then running along in the front, there's some there's a couple kits. I'm guessing that's Susie Tompkins. Maybe? That was my best guess. And then Crypto, and I'm not sure who the little boy is unless that's supposed to be John Ross. It's but, a, that's as close. That's about as good, yeah. good a guess as anybody can. Get. I don't know. It's just a random kid. I or guess. they could be. I mean, essentially ciphers for the kids that would be reading this. That's possible. But yeah. So, but it's and Superman, of course, is front and center, flying at us right in the middle of the page, looking sad. Not really a tear, but looks like there could be one. Yeah. It's very melancholy, but I really like it. No, it, it is, but at the same time, with the mixture of characters and real people down there, there is just this trace of celebration as well. Yes. It's like, this is it, but I mean, we're not happy that this is the final story, but, you know, these are all the people that played a big part in his life, I guess you could say. Yes, indeed. Up to this point. I think the only way it would have been better is if they could have drawn in, like, I don't know, Siegel and Schuster. Well, they wouldn't. Well, never mind. It's best not to comment on that at the moment. Yeah, well, yeah, good point. So anyway, uh, so we start off the story in the future, and we meet Lois's husband, who's got very Reed Richards-y kind of hair, brown with some white on the sides, and a mustache. Yes, uh, like a Rhett Butler kind of mustache. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Like he's trying for a Magnum mustache, but it's just not happening. not going to achieve that level of greatness <laughs> all right so oh, we get in here and we get the legion of supervillains which we talked about i don't have much experience with them i know lightning lord isn't he somehow related to lightning lad until you asked me i would have been able to tell you yes <laughs> so <laughs> okay are, are any of the are the other two uh, obviously i'm guessing saturn queen comes from the same planet so same planet as saturn girl i don't know about cosmic king because his powers are different. It's not magnetism. It's transmutation or something. Ah, yes. Lightning Lord was the twin brother. Okay. Light is Lightning Lord's Lightning Lad's twin brother. Oh, okay. I should point out. I should point out these are also the adult versions. So these must be from the future version. Uh, uh more time travel. Yeah, don't. It's it's just walk and away. <laughs> makes my head hurt. Moving up to page five of the story. We have our superheroes trying to break through this force barrier, right? Mm -hmm. Vartox is using his hyperpowers. Nothing's working. Captain Marvel's punching it with his superpowered fists. Nothing's happening. 
Superwoman's using her superpowers. Nothing's happening. Wonder Woman's using her super strength. Nothing's happening. Batman and Robin are hitting it with sticks. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what did they honestly think would happen <laughs> if super punches aren't making it through? Do they really think they're going to have? And where did they get the sticks? <laughs> well, they, they may be tools of some kind. I mean, they do look like sticks, but they may be something from maybe uh, they're metal bars or something. Yeah, they're, they, they're bat sticks. Yes, there you go. Yeah. You know what I would have done? I would have thrown a battering at it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had to point that out because it's like, really? Now, re- keep in mind, though, that by the time we get later in the story, apparently all this punching has tired out Captain Marvel, Fartox, Superwoman, and Wonder Woman, and then they leave. But Batman and Robin, they stick around because hitting bars didn't do much. I, I think, I don't think they left. I think they were just in a different area at that time. I think yeah. more people actually showed up, and that's what this was showing. Yeah, it's either that or a shift change. I'm not sure. Well, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> but I know Vartox. Yeah, Vartox is definitely out there at the end for yeah, something. Yeah, the, the, this group comes back by the end, definitely, when they're going through the fortress. All right, now I wanted to mention this next part. Okay, so I kind of mentioned it in my notes, and Dave laughed at it, which is cool. Superman doesn't want to hurt Lana, which is understandable. (laughs) And like we were mentioning before, if this was Silver Age, I'd completely go with it. And if I hadn't read the the the, some of the books I'd just been reading for this show, I'd still go with it. But the fact that he spent literally three issues in a row telling Lana why it would never work with between him and her, and then says he wouldn't want to do that because it would hurt her, it just doesn't make sense. But that's continuity nitpicking. Continuity and oh, that's another show. <laughs> uh, we we ha- we did not get pres- uh, prescriptions uh, permission to use that. So. Yes. Yeah. Well, we won't we won't do that. I think. Therefore, I am. But I'm pretty sure that the, the costume Lana's wearing number one is a little different than it was back in the day because I want to say that it actually had L's on it. Yeah, I remember it that way as well. Yeah, kind of in the. Kind of oh. like Daredevil's double Ds. Which, <laughs> Lana's wait, double Ds are totally different. <laughs> yeah, these are different. But anyway, yeah, you know what I meant, the, two, the L's. But this time it's kind of a funky-shaped V. But no, it's actually two L's Is in it? its own way because, you know, it forms an L in one direction, and I guess it's a backwards L. Oh, okay, yeah. It's, mean, it's, it's a really cool design. I like it much better. I like than the LL. design, yes, yes. It also is interesting to see that apparently uh, her her legs aren't nude. She's wearing stockings. Wait, what? When Jimmy tosses the costume to her, it has pants. Oh, wow. Why? I don't know. Her legs, <laughs> I, I don't want to sound misogynistic, but her legs look great. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand, but whatever. I mean, you know, the superpowers aren't going are gonna to keep the legs really feeling cold, so. I don't know what the big deal was, but whatever. But it is cool to see Elastic Lad again. If you yes, like yes, indeed it is. But man, Lana's line, and just uh, now that we know what's going to occur, nobody yeah. loved him better than us. Nobody. Oh yeah, that was really awesome. See, it's like I said. I mean, granted, there's some things about the story I don't agree with, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But Alan Moore really was good with giving people. 
was really good in certain spots, like the scene transitions, and here with the with Lana's line right before she's going to go die. It, it's just he he really does get some really good spots in here. Yes, indeed. Oh, there's yes. I'm going to earmark that nobody loved him better than us because there's a shot that I didn't notice until doing you know talk looking over this issue for the show that never I never knew it would hit me so hard but oh okay cool it's towards we'll the end of the book to... okay um next page uh, it's kind of a sh- well I guess she's being a hero so she wouldn't do it but it's kind of a shame that this slap to she never hits she slaps and karate chops but it's a shame she never that her hit to kryptonite man doesn't do more than just kind of knock him out for a minute yeah but then again crypto wouldn't have died and wouldn't be so sad but the this is i think this is the scene you were talking about where uh through a tremendous amount of willpower luther breaks through brainiac's uh what you want to call it hold hold on him and pleads with lana to kill him not because of the pain or anything, but because it's the only way to stop Brainiac. So Luthor, yes. Luthor has, um, uh, even though he's pretty much been absent, he has one less shred of integrity. Yes. <laughs> I guess, how, how bad is Brainiac's plan when Lex Luthor's like, you gotta stop this? <laughs> or he just doesn't want it anymore. The only, well, no, I guess, yeah. When Luthor's almost... I don't want to say he's on the side of good for this, but when he's trying to stop the villains, you know something's wrong. He's the lesser of two evils mm-hmm. in that in that body. So, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But this is the uh, metallic, um, not the green and pink Brainiac. So this was the colder version of him. Speaking of which, though, I just realized that I believe when he got this changeover, he did a lot more saying of words like um, calculation or something like that. Uh, How do I explain that? He was more, I mean, he was more, yeah, he was very more robotic. But we don't see that here. But then again, he's also attached to Luther. So maybe that's part of it. Yeah. I don't know. Well, he's not fully functioning. I mean, he's he's taking a lot of concentration just to get Luthor moving. Good point. But yeah, he, and, and it works. She does kill him with a chop to the neck that I guess breaks his neck. Oh, yeah. A super chop, certainly. Mm-hmm. But it, not enough. Luthor's still... That's the eerie part when uh, on the net, a couple pages later, when he gets Luthor to stand up again, and his head never looks straight forward. No. That's eerie. Vacant eyes. Hanging down or flopping back. That head's just going all over the place. That's kind of eerie. Especially when you think about the fact that it's something like that's coming from Kurt Swan's pencils. And it's in it's in a you know a pre-crisis Superman book. Yeah, that too. I mean, in the New Fifty Two, sure, because that's oh, yeah. it's a different tone. But this was, I mean, and even later on in the post-crisis. Yes. Infinite but, crisis time. Yeah, this is uh, intense. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the for Lana, the only thing that makes me feel weird here is that it almost looks like Lana actually sort of reaches out for 
Lightning Lord's hand. But she says, oh, no. No, yeah, it does look like it, but I think she's she's just trying to get her bearings. She's just landed. Yeah. So the hand happens to be out, and she's like, oh, crap. My hand is in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the thing is, I... All props to Jimmy. I don't know what he thought he was going to do against the Legion of Supervillains by himself when all he could do was stretch. Uh, I think he knew he was he was done for, so he's like, I'm going to make a as much of a run at it as I can because that's what Superman would do. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't get far because of Brainiac's blaster. And uh, does Lana... Does she look like... Does she look like a... A burned turkey to you in the lower right left hand corner, her corpse. Oh yeah, like I, I you have to squint at it to make out that it's Lana, but well, that's like tur- a, it's like Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> oh, it probably smelled that way too. Oh no, it didn't. <laughs> no, no. All right, so we get uh, the heroes again, and we get to see Kurt Swan's rendition of some of the other members of the Justice League, which is kind of cool. I, I do like his Robin. Yeah. Although he he kind of draws this this Robin more looking like the Dick, the later Dick Grayson Robin rather than the Jason Todd Robin. He's got the hair combed to the side instead of the uh, the double curl thing in the front. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He, he comes uh, from the old school. He does. Uh, he drew. Yeah. So maybe that's just the way he's drawing it. But anyway. Um. Okay, so a nuclear strike just puts a hole in the fortress. Which shows you the kind of reinforcement Superman put into place. Yes. When he built the thing. And then Perry saves Alice from getting crumbled by some, or from some crumbling rocks. And this makes them realize that they need to figure out what's wrong with them and put their lives back together. And Alice asks him to take her to her room and make up for being so stupid. Wink. Yep. And I'm like, bow, chicka, wow, wow. I actually, and then I'm like, wait a minute, this is Perry. I don't want to think about that. No, they're probably, <laughs> they're, I mean, legitimately are probably going to talk things through. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. But at the same time, you can't help but raise an eyebrow. Yeah. That's just the way they have it worded, <laughs> but still. Okay, next uh, next two pages is probably the saddest scene. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, both of us are dog lovers. Yes. and In a good way. And I recently just had to put down one of mine. So seeing this, having to go through this scene was a little rough. Yes. It's always uh, been rough. It's always rough anyway. Just because, I mean, they really... It's like poor Crypto. Crypto was just being... Just honoring his owner, basically. His, yeah. Just being the, you know, the kind of dog you would be if you had superpowers. And if you were a dog. And he does, you know, he does what he needs to do. But it's just sad that he ends up dying to do it. It, The part that always has broken my heart was, you know, Superman can hear the death howl, but he can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And it always leaves a nauseous, a little nauseous feeling in my gut. And he doesn't have time to react to it. No, that's the worst part. Because so much is going on. I, yeah, 
That is... I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to comment any further. I can't. Yeah, we'll just keep going. I just, uh... but you know, uh, you know, Superman's starting to get unhinged by the next scene because he's he immediately retaliates to Lightning Lord by firing his heat vision. And he does make contact with him. It's not just a scare tactic. Mm-mm. He hits Lightning Lord. He's not Granted, bluffing. No, no, no. Granted, it's just it's just a graze on the arm, but it's enough. Yes. And yeah. So I, at this rate, even if it hadn't been, if he hadn't had to do the thing with Mixie, uh, he was fully in. You know, he's pissed enough. He might cross the line. Yeah, and. I love that they're going through the trophy room and you see Nightwing and Flamebird, uh, statue of Laurie Lamaris that's broken, the Titano statue is is upended. Yes. I mean, everything is is falling apart. Literally. Yes. And then, then of course, the Luther Brainiac thing, or Brainy Lexiac, doesn't get a chance to do anything. In fact, you'll notice here, now that I've mentioned it earlier, uh, Brainiac, now that he doesn't have Luther's brain to power off of, does go back to his more computerized mode. Mm-hmm. Analysis, stiffening of limbs, difficulty in movement, assessment, onset of rigor mortis in host body, imminent. So, yeah, he definitely gets with the more robotic version right there. But then he can't do anything because Lex is finally, I guess, can you be too dead? <laughs> It seems kind of weird, Im- but he's immobile. Yeah, there you go. And uh, especially when you consider they're in the Arctic. Uh, but then, uh, then Brainiac tries to slither up like a spider, and then he powers out. And then Mixia's Pedalix shows up. And I don't know about you, but the very first time I read this, I was not expecting Mixie. No. And I was not expecting Mixie to look like this. No, and I, I still have never really liked it. No. He, he looks like he's been doing drugs or something. Yes, he's been strung out on the junk. Yeah. He's been he's been he's been shooting up. Hi Superman, I need my medicine. <laughs> but then he turns into this crazy creature thing too. The, yeah, and he looks he, he makes me think of Nimrod, the super sentinel from the X Men. Unfortunately I don't know that. Okay. Others might. But I I I, I'll, I will agree with you. Until I see reason to not. How about that? You don't, you don't have to agree. I'm just making a... <laughs> no, I like. I like to. It's a nice thing to do. You're the co-host. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he he's a big special effect, basically. If this was a, this would definitely be super CGI'd in. If this was a movie, yes. Uh, the if the way that Lois describes it is he can't. She can't describe what he became. It had height length and breadth and a couple of other things but the way it's drawn it definitely looks like some kind of black energy creature with like magenta highlights and crackling magenta energy inside of some kind of field around him yeah and this is the kind of concept that grant morrison picked up the ball with and ran yeah this is basically this is the one part out of the whole series this is the Mixie right here would be the one thing that would probably be the most open to interpretation mm-hmm. by whoever happened to draw it. If you had 30 different artists draw just this one page, you would probably see 30 different interpretations of what Mixie looks like here. That's all I could say. Yes. Yes. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, and you can't even knock the way that Swan drew it because, I mean, it looks, I mean, like I said, open to interpretation. It doesn't look like anything else he'd ever drawn. Uh, it doesn't look like any of the crazy alien creatures or anything. So it, it looks cool. Uh, but then Mixie gets torn in two. Ouch. And Superman intentionally did it. So therefore, Superman took a life. Which is sad. He kind of had to, but no one's no one sh- no one has a right to do it. So, with a smile over his shoulder, Superman walks into the vault. That's actually an iconic scene right there. Yes, that's very classic. I've seen it reprinted in all kinds of books. Oh yeah, that that really looks cool. And then the next page is where we get to see um, everyone finally being able to get through. Vartox is. Looks like he's very upset about the death of Lana. Keep in yeah. mind that they had a relationship. That was the scene I didn't notice until this read through. Oh, okay. Because I can almost hear him, you know, howling. You know, I want to say I've noticed it before, but I definitely didn't really think about it until this read through. Yeah. And so the line, nobody loved him better. Well, nobody loved Lana better than Vartox. Exactly. I, ooh, yes. Very good. And then you can see as they walk past the dead body of Lex Luthor. And Robin's there to check up on Crypto. Poor Crypto. I like Crypto. It's very sad. Uh, But anyway, and uh, they they just basically walk past Perry and Alice, who are fine. (laughs) So, So, (laughs) yeah. So out of this whole thing, only Perry, Alice, and Lois survived. I'm trying to think of... No, I guess that's it. Yep. Out of all the characters we had at the beginning of the story... Well, Morgan Edge was apparently fine. Well, yeah, Morgan didn't show up. Because, you know, Bronze Age. But yeah, it, it it's odd, too. I think this is the only time Superwoman ever appeared outside of a DC Comics Presents annual. I might be wrong. She... More than, she was in more than the annual. Okay. But uh, this is also one of the few times that Kurt Swan got to draw Captain Marvel. Yes. And this does help you realize this is definitely, well, obviously with Supergirl dead, it's a post-crisis world. But it's definitely on what you would consider a sh- the shared universe of, po- of the post-crisis continuity of Captain Marvel's there. Unless somehow he got word about all of this from Earth-S and showed up. I'm going to, well, he the Marvel family's not there. So I, I assume it's yeah. post-crisis. Because it, it was about to be rebooted by uh, Roy Thomas and Tom Mandrake. Right. It, it's just kind of weird because it's one of those, um, because of the story taking place in that small era between, you know, but, but after the crisis, but before the reboot for Superman. Uh, so it, you're in a limbo state for a lot of characters. Yes. Oh, boy. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy. <laughs> The, the way it ends up working out for just how many of these characters are so in limbo. Because like you said, this is right before Captain Marvel gets his reboot. But obviously he's from the same Earth. So, yeah, this is like right before he's going to be uh, in the Justice League. However, Wonder Woman's there. And she doesn't show up until Legends <laughs> for her first appearance. So this, you know, it's definitely a limbo. It's the, I, we don't know exactly what's going to occur yet. Period. Right. 
we have ideas, but that's about it. Exactly. But. Okay, so we move on to back to the current time, and uh, the the funny thing is, I guess we still some of us still know it, but the fact that Jordan comes out with "Here's Johnny," yes, kind of kind of dates it. <laughs> but maybe in eighty in eighty six, they thought Johnny Carson would still be hosting the show by ninety seven. I don't know. No, yeah, we always assumed Johnny would always be hosting the show, so. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, he made it about halfway there. Yeah, 92. Yep. Uh, so right here we get the idea, and I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm pretty sure we get the idea that Jordan Elliott, because of, I'm guessing because of the Jordan Elliott, would, would be he's Superman after the gold kryptonite hit him. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning Jonathan Elliott, Jonathan, of course, from Jonathan Kent, uh, obviously has superpowers because he turned a piece of coal into a diamond. Yes. It's a good way to hint it without ever outright saying it. Yeah. And they kind of hint it in, in the way they talk because Lois is like, you really like all this normal stuff, all this normal life. And he's like, yeah. But they, like you said, they never actually say anything. Superman died back then. So, yeah. The thing that I find interesting is that they have this coal bin by the fire that's not really that close to the fireplace, and he sits the baby next to it. I'm wondering if that's how they're able to afford such a nice place <laughs> on uh, his salary, maybe. <laughs> they just have Jonathan turn all those things into diamonds, and they turn into diamonds, and they have money. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Well, that would that would kind of stand out, though. Yeah. You would think. But that one panel where he's putting Jonathan down next to the thing of kryptonite, of kryptonite, wow, Oops. of coal, <laughs> yeah, he, his hair kind of flops down for the S-curl just right there. Yes. And everywhere else, it's back up. But it, it's really cool. And his mustache is not as pronounced when Kurt Schaffenberger, or at this part of the story, than it was at the beginning. But it's still there. It's still there. It's, it's all right. Yeah. He looks like the brawny guy. <laughs> Dude, that would have been cool. <laughs> Superman went on to become the brawny guy. Superman was brawny. Awesome. <laughs> the quicker picker of her. No, wait. That's not brawny. Is that brawny? I don't know. I don't, That's, all, bounty. That's bounty. Sorry. They're all blurred, dude. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, is, did you have anything else to say about the story? No, it... it... <sighs> I always feel mixed about it because there's a lot of characters who meet their demise yeah. that by the time you get to this, it's not, it's not a happy ending in a lot of ways because exactly. Jimmy, Lana, I mean, crypto Supergirl's already dead, but well, it's like I said, only Perry, Alice and Lois survived. Yes. Well, technically Superman, but on one hand, I want to say it was a story told well. Uh, Alan Moore, you know, he, he's a good writer. He did a, you know, for the story he was telling, he told it very well. Yes. The art was very good and all that. However, like you said, after, by this point, 48 years of continuity that they were kind of wrapping up here. Well, at least 25 of it, maybe. Um and after all that time, you'd want more of a happy ending. Granted, technically, you have a happy ending because he and Lois are living happily ever after. But this is after this giant siege 
uh, killed most of their most of the rest of the cast, villains and supporting cast alike. Yes. So yeah, it's it's definitely a downer. I would have liked to have it more of a. Granted, this is like me talking about like years and years later, but it would have been nicer if they had had something like one of the more classic imaginary stories where, you know, they lived happily ever after they have crypto and all that stuff. Superman red, Superman blue has always been my, my definitive ending for the silver age. And I guess you can put that into the bronze age, but, or, or heck just don't have it end, you know, have it, I mean, tell some kind of a story that kind of wraps up everything that's gone on. Um, but, leaves everything open that it, if at some point they change their mind and decide to go back to the old continuity, they could, mm-hmm. but still makes it so that it's definitely an ending for the story. And you get so that the next month when you get the reboot, you know, you've, you've finished all the pre-crisis stuff. Yes. And they could have done that. Uh, they kind of did that very right before the, uh, the new 52. <laughs> uh, yeah. I be- had to rush it, but they kind of did that. With grounded and and Dooms, uh, reign of the doomsday, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the the cool thing is it does have a lot of little nice touches, and the ending does have the wink. Yes. So, overall, I mean, it's not a bad read. It's just not. I mean, it, for Superman, it's a never-ending battle. Yeah, except it ended. Yes, that's the problem. Yes, exactly. But like I said, Alan Moore did tell a. For the story he was telling, he did a good job telling it. Yes, it was definitely very different from most Superman stories to date, to that date. And Kurt Swan, I think, brought his A-game for it. It helped that he had George Perez inking the first chapter. And I don't think the art takes too much of a dip with Kurt Schaffenberger inking the second part. I was going to say, Kurt Schaffenberger is no slouch. No. He's no modern artist like George Perez, but he's no slouch. Yes. <laughs> but I am, other than the, the downer bits of it, <laughs> I'm pretty pleased with it. So I'm happy. Indeed. But that is the final story. So we'll take a quick look at some of the ads. We're not going to look at all the ads because like I've been doing, we just look at the mostly the house ads. And there aren't that many house ads. The inside front and back covers basically tell of Superman's history throughout the pages of Action Comics. Uh, such as like introductions of Supergirl, uh, introduction of the Daily Star, the Daily Planet, Lex Luthor, the backup features, that kind of stuff. Uh, everything all the way up to the current time, uh, the then current time, and hoping that uh, the you know the people that take over in the future will be able to keep going with the same Superman that we've had till now other than the changes obviously and of course there's an ad for who's who the definitive directory of the dc universe you're not with it without it but that's but you didn't know that i did that's why i have it i am with it yay i'm i'm kind of without it so i have to get with it one of these days or several days because i'm sure i won't be able to get it all at one spot but still 26 issues that could take a while but I have, if you haven't been listening, um, Shag and Rob Kelly do uh, Who's Who, the definitive director of the DC Universe podcast on their Fire and Water once a month. So make sure you check that out because they do a really good job with that. 
Each episode's pretty long, but they go through each and every entry in each and every issue. They're almost done with the first one, aren't they? They are. They're at the S's. They're, they're, the S's. they're in the 20s. But, yeah, as we record this anyway, uh, they're in the S's. They're, they should be. Uh, well, the, one that just, the one just came out as we're recording this about a week ago. That probably gets you to Superman, yes. maybe. So they're they're almost finished. No, not to Superman, but close. Still no Superman. Dang, they got a lot of S's. Next episode. Well, they're Slipknot. They got to talk about Slipknot. Oh yeah. Well, of course. Priorities. Yeah. Shag. Anyway, uh, but that's the, that's one of the ads. Let's see, which is weird because they really just didn't have that many ads in here. Uh, there's a Bonkers chocolate candy ad. Did you ever have Bonkers? Yeah, I did. They, they were, were they delicious. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the deliciousness was sarcasm. They uh, were, which is why they're not around anymore. Think of uh, like bubble gum, like Hubba Bubba, uh huh, but with two flavors. And basically, it's not two flavors; it's it's two levels of the same flavor. One was okay, middle range. The other was extremely intense and sour. Ugh, that's all right. Uh, the next ad is for. You could get David's sunflower seeds, and if you did that, you could win or get free ver- free uh, baseball gear, ball, uh, free baseballs, baseball gloves, bats, signed, of course, uh, batting gloves, that kind of stuff, signed by then current pros, I guess. Uh, there's a Tyco, there's an ad to sell stuff to win prizes. We all know those Fagan schemes. Yep. Uh, there's a hodgepodge ad. Be tough. I mean, really tough. And that's right, folks. Charles Atlas. Still there. Not to mention a Star Trek fans thing for the Starship Hotline. It's a lie, just to let you know. For your copy of Starship, simply send $4 plus $1 postage and handling to Federation Records North. It's in rock and... What? Rock with Spock, Kirk, and crew while listening to this rock and roll battle adventure? No. (laughs) Sorry, but no. Uh, Anyway. Star Trek uh, The Rock Opera? Well, you know. (laughs) I'm sure you did that. With music by Queen. Yeah, I'm sure that happened. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Mile High Comics had a two-page ad. Where you could get stuff for a lot cheaper than you could today. Yes, like, indeed. Uh, like, let's see. Let's pick an issue of Batman and the Outsiders. Four bucks number for issue number one. Wow. Really? For issue number one, yeah. But it's Batman and the Outsiders. Yeah. Well, they were pretty... Or they thought they were going to be pretty big because they were doing the group book. Remember, groups were big back then, like the Titans and stuff. Ah, uh, True. Uh, let's see. The DC graphic novels were all six bucks. Star Raiders, Warlords, Medusa, Chain, Hunger Dogs, and me and Joe Priest. What? <laughs> That's what it says. I don't know. I know. I'm, I'm just... I had... Now, if you look at DC Comics Presents, there's no issue over $2 except for one, which is issue 26, which has that preview of the, teen, of the new Teen Titans. That actually still stands, ironically. Yeah, that's still 15 bucks. Yeah. All the wow. other ones you can get for, I mean, you can find them in quarter bins or for a dollar a piece. Yep. Most of these are 75 to $2. 75 yep. cents to 
others. Uh, let's see. Anything else that's good? None of them are hot or red hot because they didn't do that back then. Um, yeah. Mo and then, of course, when you get to the really recent issues, you're just getting cover price, 75 cents. You can get every issue of Super Friends for 75 cents each. Oh, really? Super Friends or Super Powers? Super Friends. Well, I'm on that. Oh. Yeah, well, this is back then. Uh, Super Powers, the first volume was a dollar for each issue. The second volume was 75 cents an issue. I think it's about what I actually paid for them. What does it's... that tell you about Super Powers? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact, you know, they don't have the line anymore to tie it into so maybe that's part of it anyway uh superman the secret years though is a dollar every for each issue which is about cover price wasn't it yep again that's pretty much what i paid for it yeah pretty much remember when we thought comics were the greatest bastion of financial greatness they were for about three or four years yeah and then missed that boat yeah <laughs> yeah tell me about it trying to get rid of them i have in order to get rid of my comics i'm having to give them away Yes, you did. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, the next house ad is one um, which is actually pretty important. Uh, it's for The Man of Steel, which is a, a little comic. It's a little indie comic. I'm surprised they made it into this book. Uh, written and drawn by John Byrne. Never heard of him. Inked <laughs> by Dick Giordano. Who, he's, he's slightly known, you know. He's, but it's he, a six, he's, but, he's known to scribble on a page. Yeah, every once in a while. Um, a six-issue series coming to you every two weeks from DC Comics. And it shows a picture of Superman on it for some reason. Uh, it doesn't look like the one in the movie. <laughs> a little bit. Well, it's got the S and a cape, but I mean, he's got underwear and a yellow belt. What's up with that? Oh, that other movie. Okay. Yeah, The Man <laughs> of Steel. I thought this was a tie-in. No? Oh, no, not a tie-in to The Man of Steel. No. No, this is actually... this is. It's a simple ad, but it's a very nice art. It's very nice artwork by John Byrne and Dick Giordano. I mean, it's a, it's just Superman flying. They had to have used that in something else, didn't they? Wasn't was that it just that? Wasn't that the last page of issue one? No, the last page of issue one. He's flying up with his arms down. Oh. Uh, probably. Maybe this was into issue two. I don't know. It could just be for the ad too. I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, and then the last, they have a, another uh, sell stuff and get prizes. This one actually has a Voltron calculator robot. I think I had one of those as a kid. I had a lot of, I had, ooh, and a Voltron robot watch. Yes. I had one of those. Pardon oh. me, I got to fire up eBay. As you were. <laughs> what about the Garfield phone? What would I want with a Garfield phone? It's a phone, man. Garfield. Garfield's cool. No? Okay. Anyway. Uh, and, of course, back when solar-powered calculators were the big... They actually came in these little cases. <laughs> which is awesome. And a Tyco Transformers race set. When, when did solar-powered calculators go out of style, then? Oh, well, no, this is when they were fancier. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Because they came I got a little case. defensive. It came in a case with a little paper holder. They're not just sitting there on a shelf. You know, sorry. Uh, and then the back page is an M&M's ad. The milk chocolate melts in your mouth, but not in your hand. That's not entirely true, but 
Okay. Well, it depends on how hot it is, actually. And they will melt in your hand. They will. Yes, I've had that happen. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. It started as an idea. A flicker. Now with a simple voice email to the Superman of the Bronze Age podcast, that flicker has become a flame. Now, Russell, you're ready to start a podcast. Yep, you're ready to go. Yes, start it, and then and then we can email you. Whoa. And Russell has been, you know, the most consistent emailer. I think it's time that he does start a show. DC Comics Presents. You know, after Dave's done, and, I mean, you're not covering every, every issue. So he could do all of them. I would highly recommend that, actually. That would be awesome. So there you go, Russell. Go for it. I can't wait to hear his reaction to this. this <laughs> well, boys, here's your response. The DC Comics Presents show, hosted by me, Russell Bragg. On each episode, I will cover one issue of DC Comics Presents in publishing order until I reach the end of the series. I will also be covering all four annuals. Plus, I will be doing a character spotlight on each of Superman's guest stars, and we'll be going to the spinner rack to see what other comic books were available. Join me each episode of the DC Comics Presents show. Please go to the show's website at www.dccpshow.com for more information. That's D-C-C-P-S-H-O-W. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. So, elsewhere in the DC multiverse, we're going to look at some of the other comics that were out this month. Uh, since both issues came out the same month, we're just looking at it this time. Now, there's a cover. Now, it's penciled by Luke McDonald, but inked by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise, Praise be his name. Yes, who, judging by the small version that you see on Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics at DCIndexes.com, looks very much like Jose kind of saved it. But it's Justice League of America number 254 with the Detroit League plus Batman. (laughs) Yes, plus Batman. Elongated Man is is in there. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was part of the Detroit League, wasn't he? No? I'm going to pretend like he's not. Okay. Uh, But... (laughs) Definitely, if you're if you're looking at the cover, you can definitely see the Lopez influence on it. Just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. To, to the fact where to the point where you almost can't tell that McDonald did anything. By the way, the book is Justice League of America. What I say? You no, know, I'm just making a point to say oh. it's Justice League of America because America, America. Uh, of course, of course. That's like I said. That's looking at it in this tiny version on the site. I'm, I'm sure maybe if you looked at it closer, you could see more of the McDonald influence, but that's not the point. Moving right along. Uh, the Son of Ambush Bug, number three. Yes. And I'm only pulling, pointing this out, one, because of the homage to Flash 123 on the cover, and the fact that the title of the issue is Who Put the Pop in Poppycock? <laughs> but they're both running to this guy. He's like, I found some money, and they're running. He's like, no, it's mine. <laughs> 
It's green. It belongs to me. It's it's counterfeit. It's mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Ambush Bug's fun. Yes. And it was uh, edited by Julie Schwartz, so it's like really weird. Uh, Superman. And, oh, sorry. DC Comics presents number 97, Superman and the Phantom Zone Criminals, which is basically kind of the incontinuity final story for Superman. Yeah, that's a good point way to put it. If you want to look at it. Uh, written by Steve Gerber, uh, who did the Phantom Zone miniseries, as well as uh, Howard the Duck. And drawn by Rick Veach, who uh, was working with Alan Moore on, I think he was. Didn't he work with Alan Moore on Swamp? Thing. yes yes indeed so the, the 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 kind of the way that works out is pretty interesting uh, they take the swamp thing team and one the writer gets to write this one superman ending and the other one gets to draw it Fair it enough. also features bixia's piddlick in it believe it or not which is kind of crazy when you think about it yeah they're not, they're not that extremely different in a lot of ways no no except for I, it's not a bloodbath in dc comics presents well right and, and i have to say the first time i read it i was like what in the world is happening because it made no sense i didn't realize it was the final issue yes or that they were trying to end things so it kind of threw me off all right next up we have fury of firestorm number 51 it's all right yeah cover's kind of cool a minute ago he was a man a minute from now he'll be a monster it happens it's still by Conway, so he's not the uh, Russian or anything yet. So no, kind of... no. Oh. <laughs> that was a bad time. Yeah, this is still classic Firestorm, kind of. Uh, now, let's see. Next we have Outsiders number 11 with the cover by Jim Aparo. And it looks like um, well, uh, Geoforce has had better days. Yes, he's chained to a mine car full of rocks and he's pulling it and he looks weak and his costume's all torn up and it's actually really moody art for Aparo it almost doesn't look like Aparo drew Geoforce there the rest of it looks Aparo-ish yeah it's weird he's credited so yeah but um yeah this of course is the uh, souped up version of the sh of the series because this was their direct market version yeah. So it was the better Baxter, print quality. Baxter, Baxter books, yep. Yes. Uh, so it cost $1.50, uh, but that also means that there's another Outsiders book that reprints like stuff from a year ago or original stuff by a different team. We'll, we'll find that out when we get to it. Uh, Tales of the Teen Titans, number 69, is a love story. Uh, penciled love. by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise, Praise be his, his name. name. Yes. Tales of the Teen Titans, that was the reprint book. Because the Teen Titans actually had their Baxter book, and then a few months later, they would be reprinted in Tales of the New, of the New Teen Titans. Yeah, I think it was, I want to say they used to do them like a year later. They did like a year's worth of stories, and then they would go back and reprint them in the regular series for yep. the newsstands, something like that. Put them out there for the common folk. Yeah. Uh, next up, Watchmen number one. Maybe you've heard of it. Yeah, you might have. This was a. I was telling Dave off the off mic. This is a pretty big month. You have the end of Superman, uh, plus the start of Watchmen, uh, whether you think it's overblown or not, and then the end of another series, which we'll get to in a couple minutes. It's just like wow, all this converged at one time. Yes, it's a kind of cool. 
But yeah, if you look at this, this has been reprinted a couple times. Just just a couple. Just a couple. Shoot. They made some small indie film based on it. Yeah, no one watched it. Well, that's actually true. <laughs> like, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> as soon as they found out about certain pantsless characters, yeah, people didn't flock to the theater. Well, I don't know. Uh, what's her name got out of her costume? Yeah, she does that a lot. Yeah. That actress is, is known. Not complaining, though. Uh, Amazing Man number nine, which I just wanted to point out because I don't get to talk about Amazing Man much. No, not enough. And uh, he's pretty funny. I actually know, I haven't read much much Amazing Man. I have seen a a story of his that was in, I want to say, Man Brave and the Bolt, uh, the, ca- the cartoon. Was he in the cartoon? Yeah, he he. Uh, there was one episode where they just did a bunch of little shorts, and he was one of the shorts. He had to babysit somebody. Oh no, I've got I've got to have this. Yes, it's it's really cool. I want to say it's in the third season, but I might be wrong. But yeah, he's in. It, there is one with with that. It's pretty funny. Imagine that sweet old man who lives in your apartment building decides he's going to be a nice guy superhero one day. Wackiness ensues. They kind of try to make him sound like Woody Allen. Yes, <laughs> it's awesome. Okay, Batman number 399 uh, is Strike Two uh, by Doug Minch and Tom Mandrake, which kind of has a cool cover because we have a disembodied head with the eye stitch closed with an axe behind it and the bat signal lighting in the sky. That It's a very moody cover. And looks, I have that issue. It, it's, it's moodier up close. Okay. The I'll details that went into it, because Tom Mandrake did that, it's striking. They, Minch and Mandrake were the team right up until year one. So I'm trying to make sure. Wow, that, how did that get past the Comics Code Authority? <laughs> well, they're not actually having the head cut off, and it could be. It's still a know. severed head. Well, they got the <laughs> eyes closed though, so you don't have the eyes rolling back. That was the big problem, I think. Really? They, I don't know. <laughs> a severed head's a severed head. If I find yeah. a severed head in my bed, I don't care if its eyes are open or closed. It's a severed head in my bed. Okay, okay. I don't know how it got past the comics code. I, I would I would say that, that they really lightened up by the time we were at this point in the 80s. Okay. Uh, Blue Beetle number four was out, where he goes up against Dr. Alchemy. Yeah. And I've heard nothing but good stuff about this. It was uh, it was fun. Blue Beetle series. I still need to check that out, too. One thing that's going to be... Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm glad to be finishing the show, but one thing that's going to be nice is I'm going to have time to actually read other comics uh, outside of Superman. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Well, that's anyway, assuming you have time to read any comics. Well, yeah. Well, I'm figuring I can you know, put some comics on my iPad and I can read that while I'm burping the baby or something. We'll trying see. to... Pr- Put we'll him back see. to sleep. I don't know. It's worth a shot. <laughs> At least to try it, start off with. Uh, but Legion of Superheroes number 26. Uh, looks like a hero dies at the hands of the Fatal Five. Hey. I actually know the Fatal Five. I don't know if it's a good issue, but I know Fatal Five. Manos. Who? Exactly. Wait a minute. This Fatal Five is different. Yes, it is. Who? The Persuader is there. Emerald. Persuader, Emerald Empress is there. Who? Right. Emerald, yeah. Who? Who are the other two? And oh, are those the other three on that cover? I thought that was the Legionnaire. So who are these other people? 
Do you know? Which, which other people? Uh, the, the other three that aren't Emerald Empress and Persuader on the cover here. I Wait a minute. I thought I knew. I don't know. Oh, good. Well, make sure you all read the issue. Apparently, it's got new people. Yeah, I'm not that far along in the series, so. I don't know who they are. And it doesn't... Um, Mike here didn't list them. White Witch might be one? No, I think that's a Legionnaire. That's a Legionnaire. Yes, she is. Yes. And the only villains that they have listed are Fatal Five, Emerald Empress, and Persuader. You know what's weird, though? It says Fatal Five last appearance was in Legion of Superheroes 25. No further appearances. It's weird. I don't want to spoil myself. I haven't gotten that far along in that particular yeah. series. So. I just I just find it. I, I know that they've come back. So I'm wondering if maybe, well, I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to think too much about it. Secret Origins number six. Halo. <laughs> yes, you get the origin. <laughs> First of all, let's point out that the cover is by our favorite artist, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise, Praise be his, his name. name. Uh, you have Halo by Mike W. Barr and Dick Giordano. And the Golden Age Batman by Roy Thomas, Marshall Rogers, and Terry Austin. And I'm sorry, but the artwork on this cover is beautiful. I'm not sorry. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't know why you'd expect anything uh, less. No, no. But it, it's it's awesome. I haven't read this one. I don't think. But I can only imagine that Rogers and Austin on Batman is going to be cool. And Dick Giordano draws a pretty lady, so I'm guessing the other one's going to be pretty good too. At least the art. Yeah. Um, let's see. Adventures of the Outsiders, which reprints the stuff from a year before. Yay. I think. Yes. Or unless we're still on the. Well, it's, the, it's a sliding rule. So yeah. there are, they would, they, they still had some content in there. It wasn't a clean transition. Yeah. So what, there'd be some original stories for a while and then it's just started reprinting. Yeah. It's, it's in fact, for, so for a, about a year, roughly ish, you actually got two you could get two new stories of the outsiders per month think about that uh, <laughs> and shudder <laughs> uh looks like the outsiders have gone on a nice relaxing sea cruise according to the cover doesn't really look like it on the cover they're fighting a giant but, octopus <laughs> well it says nice relaxing sea cruise in fact the title of it is won't you let me take you on a sea cruise and I'm not going to sing it anymore. But Trevor Von Eden does the artwork on the inside. He's not bad, so it shouldn't be too terrible. Uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name. Praise be his name. Thank you. Uh, also does the art on this cover. He's all over the place this month. Yes. Uh, and uh, th this one, now this is the other book that came to an end this month. Uh, a little small, it, it really had a short print run. No one really remembers it much. Uh, Batman the Dark Knight, number four, uh, which is the one where Su Bat Superman goes up against Batman in his armor. It was all right. Yeah, it's <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's all right. Not bad. There's some mutant guys, but not X-Men. and uh, Not those mutants. Not those kinds of mutants. The kinds that couldn't talk except to Don and Rob. Shiv? Uh, Shiv, yeah. <laughs> Shiv. They talked weird. It was so crazy. Uh, let's see. What else we got? 
Blue Devil number Blue... 28. Yeah, I was, was going to be upset if you skipped Blue Devil because oh, Blue no, Devil's no. awesome. Blue Devil is a superhero. I, I wouldn't skip him, although it's taking a minute for my page to load. But uh, what's going on in that one? You have that pulled up? <laughs> yeah, basically chaos. Um, well, that's what it looks like on the tiny little cover I can see. Yep, looks like uh, Blue Devil's girlfriend is caught in an air, hot air balloon that seems to be plummeting. Blue Devil's leaping up. Uh, there's a large gentleman that looks... I, I I don't even know what that large gentleman is doing, but yeah. Long story short, Blue Devil's trying to rescue his girlfriend from a plummeting hot air balloon. Oh, that's well a big balloon! Should. Okay, that makes more sense. It's a giant <laughs> balloon. <laughs> it threw me off because it looked like... Uh, a very old comic book character, uh, comic strip character. Uh huh. Called, uh, and I'm just telling you the name of it, so don't take it out of context. Called the Yellow Kid. Oh, okay. Back when comic strips were good at. Oh, you know. the green one. Yes. Okay. 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 Yes. See, I would have been confused. I would have thought it was like Bouncing Boy or something. Uh, bouncing not, Boy not looks actually, entirely different. Well, not actually Bouncing Boy, but like some kind of creature that blows up like that is what I meant. Oh. I thought you were talking about the red thing first, sorry. Yeah, he uh, actually, he didn't wear green. He wore a yellow oversized shirt. He was a horrible, horrible stereotype. Stereotype. Golden? Yeah. Oh, was there any other kind of... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just had to check. But Paris Cullens uh, was a heck of an artist, man. Or is. Was. Fortunately, he, was only, he only did the cover on this one. Alan Kupperberg did the art inside. It, it always looked good, though. Yeah. Well, he was kind of busy with uh, you know, Blue Beetle at the time. Yes. Booster Gold number eight came out. It looks like Booster's going up against the Legion of Superheroes, who are probably upset over that whole flight ring thing. Yeah, they might be a little... De- yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. What do we uh, have? But a- Chameleon Boy, Ultra Boy, and Brainiac 5. That's what I see. Uh, they the only ones that they li- that's the only ones they have listed. I'm looking, so I'm looking forward to re- reading that one. Yeah, I, I really would like to check out some of the Booster Gold stuff, the uh, the early stuff. I mean, I've read some of the stuff right around. Well, by the time he teams up with the post crisis version of Superman, the series is almost ending. But I would like to see some of this early stuff. Where too. are you in luck? There's in a there's a showcase presents just for that. Sweet. Those are black and white, though, right? Yeah. I can live with it. All right. Green Lantern number 204, which by this time was the Green Lantern Corps mm. 204. They faced its deadliest enemy, the man in the iron lung. Uh, he's um, he's not that. It was it was it was not impressive. We covered that over on on uh, Green Lantern's light and uh, not all three of us were really under enthused with that issue. Oh, good. So don't read it. But it does have a cool cover. The cover's kind of cool. And it it has a, an appearance by Appa Ali Apsa, who is, which is just a fun name to say. <laughs> no, it's a hard name to say, but... Not if you say it. Well, yeah, good point. Uh, now, Infinity Inc. Uh, looks like it's a memoriam issue in remembrance of the Justice Society of America. Which is sad. And it looks like they have little medallions on the gravestone here. It's actually a cool-looking cover, though. The Infinity Ink logo looks like it's uh, kind of embossed or carved out of it. 
And it's got little medallions for the members of the Justice Society that actually look like the little power coins from Power Rangers. Uh, and it's got Green Lantern, Flash, Wildcat, Hawkman, Our Man, Adam, Doc Midnight, and I guess that's Wonder Woman? Yes. Uh, but I guess this is because of right after the crisis, you know, they kind of disappeared. Yeah, they kind of jacked up continuity is what they did, but... Yeah. Well, they had, yeah. They're, uh, what are they? They're in limbo fighting the good fight or something like that. Yep. Now. They're in uh, Valhalla. Or, That's right. So, yeah, essentially. Don't worry. They'll be back by the time Superman dies. Uh, that's, that's so uplifting the way you say it. Well, it, it's, a, it's a plus, <laughs> I guess. Uh, let's see. Next up is. Come on, website. There we go. Superpowers number one. Which must be like the third volume of the Superpowers miniseries, which has a cover by Carmine Infantino. Huh. But what what was that? How do you grunt at Carmine Infantino? This was not one of his better periods. Oh, okay. Look, look at the cover. <laughs> well, let's be honest. Jack Kirby had a bad period on Superpowers. I think it's that book. Yeah, it's got to be the book. Uh, but we've got Darkseid has already looks like he's tossed. Is that no? That's oh, it's Orion. not. Mag- it, yeah, it's not. A, it's not Magneto. It's it's yeah. Desaad. <laughs> he's got Desaad in his arms. He's about to throw him down a hole. He's already tossed apparently Mister Miracle and the, the weird looking Orion in his giant armor, which he had at that point, at least in the superpowers line. Only in the superpowers line. Oh, okay, okay. And also featuring Batman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Calabac, Ty, Tyre, Tyr, Tyr. I say okay. Tyr. Uh, Steppenwolf, the 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 villain, not the band, and Mister Freeze. Yeah, yeah. There's someone that fits. But yeah. <laughs> Moving right along from I Super used to have that. But anyway, moving right along from there, we <laughs> have an early early Cologne cover for Who's Who number 19. Oh, look. Red Tornado seems to be closer to the front than Robin. Oh, yeah. They don't mention that too much on... Uh, oh. What's that show? Who's Who? Yeah. The Definitive Podcast of, of the DC Universe. Yeah, that one. You know, though, if you look at that cover just on this small version of it, um, that picture, I'm guessing that's uh, Doc Magnus from Metal Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks more Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, praise ish. His name. I believe he's the one that actually draws him in the book. It's almost like they kind of copy-pasted. Probably. I could be wrong. Looking at it closer, you might it might look more like Ernie Colon's, but from here it does look like that. But yeah, Robin's just tiny in the background. Ragman is closer to the front. Ragman. And this Q guy. Who's this Q guy? That's Quakemaster. Quake Master, he's closer. Plus Raven, but Raven, yeah. That's all we're saying. Well, yeah, but you know, keep in mind, this is probably I don't. Robin at this point is J- Jason Todd, so maybe that's part of it, or maybe they just drew him really small. He could be right up front, but you know, he's a little kid. <laughs> he's just a little guy. <laughs> they do have the Golden Age Red Tornado right by the modern Red Tornado. Ma Hunkle. So, yep. Ma Hunkle. I mean, she's getting thrown around a little bit, but what are you going to do? Uh, All-Star Squadron number 61. What is wrong with this cover? 
Liberty uh, Bell is one of the most attractive female characters. Not on this cover. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like she's one of Fat Albert's Cosby kids. Ooh. Wow, Just the way good. she's drawn and the way her facial structure is. She looks like a yeah, she an animated look, character. Yeah, she doesn't look good. But this is the amazing origin of Liberty Bell. And if you love the art on this cover, good news, it's co- it c- continues on the inside. <laughs> Same art team. So in other words, we know an issue that Dave's not reading. Yes. Well, he might read it. He won't like looking at it, though. I don't know. Unless you know the origin of Liberty Bell. This is that time period period where you know earth 2 was gone so all-star squadron kind of became a a secondary secret origins book yes uh dc challenge (laughs) number 11 how can you be in two places at once when you're not anywhere at all that's a good question one i've often asked myself not really really okay i was gonna see how's that come up in conversation uh but it apparently features dr fate now i kind of like the idea behind the this series, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, so I don't know if it's any good. But the idea is you have a different creative team on pretty much every issue. And they're supposed to start a story and end it with a cliffhanger. And then the next team have to figure out how to get the heroes and stuff out of the cliffhanger. And then continue the story and then end it with another cliffhanger and so on and so forth. And it ran for 12 issues. I don't know how well it worked, but the th- idea of it sounds pretty interesting. Uh, okay interesting is a good word I'm, i mean a little bit intrigued i don't know if i'm intrigued enough well kind of sounds like maybe something they might have like i would like to i like to think that they might have tried to do something like that with the superman books in the 90s uh like when they had their multi-issue crossovers granted they already had those stories planned out but it's like all right i'm going to end it with this now how are you going to get them out of this that yeah kind of... true uh, let's see uh, a couple more. Boy, there's a lot of issues this month. Detective Comics number 566 with a cover by Dick Giordano. Batman Prowls the Dark Knight's Rogues Gallery. Oh, no, it just says Prowl the Dark Knight's Rogues Gallery, if you dare. And it looks really cool. Yeah. It, um, Batman standing nope. dramatically framed in a doorway at, at the end of a hallway. Pictures of his most well-known rogues, except for Killer Moth, are on the wall. <laughs> yes, Killer Moth is there. Yeah. There's, the, the, at this point, Catwoman wasn't really a villainess anymore. Well, she was kind of on the good guy side for a while. This is before she went back to being a bad guy. Uh, Scarecrow's not there. You get Killer Moth and you don't get Scarecrow? Yeah. You got Joker, Mad Hatter, Poison Ivy, Killer Moth. Uh, Rachel Ghoul, Penguin, Riddler, and Two Face. It's not bad. I, I, I would switch out Killer Moth with, you know, Scarecrow maybe. But whatever. Uh, it does have a Green Arrow Black Canary backup feature, which I have never heard anything good about. Uh, Hawkman number two features the Hawkman and Hawkwoman, or Hawk Girl going up against the Shadow Thief. Yay! Could be interesting. I would read it. I probably will when I get to it. Yeah. I have issue... I Well, I used to have issue one. I don't think I had issue two. It's a shame. Uh, 
Uh, Lois Lane, book two. Had, she had a two-issue miniseries that took place in the pre-crisis era. Um, but yeah, it, I, I've never read it. Don't know much about it. But I own it. I two. haven't read it. So. <laughs> oh, cool. Apparently, it was in the Baxter. It was a Baxter series. Yes. Because it's a buck fifty. But. That's all I can tell you, folks. Sorry. Uh, Star Trek Annual number two features the final voyage of the original Enterprise, uh, which I guess somehow kind of ties into the first movie. Uh, but while the cover is by Dennis Cohen, uh, the interior art is by Dan Jurgens and inked by Bob Smith. So it looks, uh, I'm guessing it kind of looks somewhat good. Yes. And Tales of the Legion of Superheroes, number 339, unto the new generation, has a whole bunch of new Legionnaires coming in. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I, I, I just, this... I just, no, I was looking at the cover and I noticed a character. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know who this major one in the front is. That's, never mind. Not who I thought it was. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, I don't even want to... They have so many listed here, I don't even want to guess. I'm guessing it's not Polar Boy. Maybe it's Quizlet? No, Quizlet's a little uh, robot. Oh, then it's not Quizlet. I don't know who it is, but he's there. Sensor Girl. Yeah, I recognize her. Telus, I recognize him. Monel. Uh, yeah, some others I don't recognize. But this main one right in front with the glowing hands, no idea. Cosmic Boy's right at the bottom. He's in magenta. Yes. And Wildfire's in the issue. Yay! Uh, I see him on the cover. But I just haven't gotten to that issue that it reprints yet. Uh, I've been, my retro pull list is uh, on a little bit of a break. Oh, okay. Well, when you get to it, you got to let me know who that is. Will do. Because you'll get to it before I, I do. It's it's kind of funny when you read this, though, because you can tell it's a reprint, not, not just because it says it's reprinted from Legion of Superheroes 14, but when you read all of the last appearance, next appearance stuff, uh, last appearance was you know Legion of Superheroes, next appearance is several different issues of, Le of Crisis on Infinite Earths, which, of course, has wrapped up by this point a long time ago. So, yeah. By the way, apparently there was a, a thing for a while. Uh, spoilers, where where there's a who, who is Sensor Girl, where they kind of hide her identity. Uh, don't read the Mike's Amazing World thing for that. Yes, because it's, it looks it's, like it just kind of gave it away. Yep. <laughs> if I, unless you already know. See, I, yeah, I was actually reading it when that revelation was made. Oh, okay. She already knew. Okay, but yeah, I just looked at that and I'm like, well, you know, I think I. I didn't really know, but it wasn't that big of a deal when I just found out. But yeah, if you're trying to find out, you can either cheat and go to the website or, you know, stay away from it for, from it for a while. And lastly for the month, Teen Titans Spotlight number two, Spotlight on Starfire. Yeah. Apart hide no more. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that title's pretty striking. Yeah, it is. A lot of people carrying coffins and stuff. Wow. Don't know much about that either. I, I'm, uh, one of the things I want to get into once I get the show finished and have some more, a little bit more t reading time, hopefully, is some Teen Titans stuff. Ooh, any particular era? 
Uh, starting off with the Wolfman Perez relaunch, kind of going from there. They, uh, they they've been putting they've got those all out on Comicsology right now. Uh, in fact, they've got all of it up to as far as the Titans go. They've got all the Titan stuff from then up to maybe even before then, but at least from there all the way up to. Uh, shortly after, um, was it Lonely Place of Dying? When Tim Drake becomes the new Robin? Yes. Yeah. Uh, right after that, uh, Tom Grummet's the penciler. Ooh. When Alve is the inker most of the time. And yeah, they're, they've gotten, they've put everything up to there on Comixology at this point. So I should be able to check it all out. But anyway. Um, that's going to do it for this episode. Dave, I want to thank you for being on. Oh. I want to thank you again for all your contributions to this show over the years because uh, it would not have gotten this far without your assistance. Well, it's been my pleasure. I'm glad to have been with you on this journey. Well, thank you very much. And, folks, I want to thank you again for listening to this episode of Superman of the Bronze Age. I'll be back with one more episode uh, featuring emails and uh, a review of everything we've looked at so far on this show. So I will see you then. You all have a good week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer. Show notes can be found at www.supermanofthebronzeage.com, as well as links to the RSS and iTunes feeds and more. Also, we have a Facebook fan page where you'll get a little notice whenever a new episode is posted. Feel free to like us there. Want to comment on the episode you just heard? Email the show at superbronze1970 at gmail.com. Superman in the Bronze Age is a proud member of both the Superman Podcast Network at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com and the Comics Podcast Network at www.comicspodcasts.com. Make sure to check out both sites for more great podcasts. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. Thank you again for listening, and God bless. to our show on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Blackberry, or Palm phones. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. <laughs>